Hey gang, do you find yourself listening to your music on one app and then listening to your podcast on another app? If you do, stop this insane behavior right now and download Spotify. Spotify is home to all of your favorite music and all of your favorite podcasts. Podcasts including Fly on the Wall, the Saturday Night Live podcast with Dana Carvey and David Spade, the Rock on Tours podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt, old favorites like Fresh Air, My Favorite Murder, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Look, if you're looking for a news podcast or sports or entertainment or true crime, look, if you're if you're looking for a sewing podcast or an RV podcast, Spotify has all of this for you. That's Spotify, all of your favorite music and all of your favorite podcasts in one place. Find it in your app store and start listening today. That's Spotify, music and podcasts. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys had a great rest of your Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Maybe you got out there and mixed it up on Black Friday. You know, I saw a a news report. I woke up early on Friday morning, Black Friday, and I saw a news report like at 6.30 in the morning where they were talking about how there was hardly anyone at the outlet malls up in Round Rock. And I thought like, man, that's only a 30-minute drive. Maybe I'll slide up there, get some presents, pick up a pair of jeans or something. But I didn't. I didn't do it. (laughs) Anyway, I hope that you survived Thanksgiving, survived the family, survived the crazy uncle that challenged you on your political views or whatever the hell it is that happened. I hope you made it through, had a great time with your family. Uh, I had a great weekend. I really did. I had a really laid back weekend. Uh, I've been working on some skyrocket stuff for this show that we have Saturday, this private show with the horn section. And uh, I got together with, I'm in a new band, guys. I am. I'm in a new band called Happy Land. With uh, Kimmy Rhodes, her son Gabriel Rhodes, and Gabe's son, Louie Rhodes, and Sean Pander. And we all sing, write songs, and sing together. We played a show at Saxon Pub a few weeks ago. It was a really great time. It sounded great. It inspired us to go ahead and, and do this, like as a band. So we have a, a name. It's Happy Land. We have a gig coming up in February. So we got together on Saturday, went over some tunes. It's us in like a floating rhythm section. We're not tying any rhythm section down to anything. We're just trying to focus on getting the five of us to all these gigs, get us, you know, with our songs, get our harmonies all together. And it's been a lot of fun. It was so much fun doing it. It's like a family of people, you know, like they're family to me. I love making music with these people. It's so fun to sing with people that you love and it sounds great. You know what I mean? Like there's just such a great feeling of like singing harmonies with your loved ones. (laughs) That sounds so goofy, but it's so awesome. Great name, Happy Land. 
It's it's very apropos for the group. So uh, anyway, look for us. We'll be playing at the airport in February. I'll be announcing some shows as we book some. Probably it's probably going to be some Saxon Pub shows. We're looking to see if they have any off nights that we can jump on over there. So look out for Happy Land. Me, Kimmy Rhodes, Gabriel Rhodes, Louis Rhodes, and Sean Pander coming your way in 2024. Gang, I have a great show for you guys today. Corey Reinish from Alt Country Six Piece Band Harvest Thieves is my guest on the show today. They have a brand new album that dropped in October called As the Sparks Fly Upward that is absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, if you don't know Harvest Thieves, their music is like a cross between like a uh, thoughtful folk songwriting uh, with the excitement of and, re- and, and recklessness of rock and roll. You know what I mean? They've got some songs that kind of have that old 97s feel. They're like trucking and they're grooving. Great, great songs. They're actually playing a fantastic show with Austin's like two other like newer alt country bands that are carrying the flag from that from that tradition of music onto the next, which is Restos and West Texas Exiles. So Restos, West Texas Exiles, and Harvest Thieves are all playing on December 30th at Seaboys. Go to HarvestThieves.com for all of your Harvest Thieves needs. Now, uh, this record is absolutely fantastic, and Corey and I have a great conversation about kind of where it was coming from. So as the sparks fly upward, I'm going to read a little something that he sent me that made a lot of sense to me. Let me get my reading glasses here. Uh as the Sparks Fly Upward was written and record, recorded over a four-year period that witnessed the arrival and passing of the pandemic, a living document of the aberration that occurred, a fitting commentary on societal upheaval in the face of some surreal American sensibility. Now, we have a really great conversation about like how he was trying to uh, document the entire thing, not just, not just being locked down. But but going from like having freedom and feeling good to like all of a sudden you're locked down. All of a sudden everything becomes super intense. Then all of a sudden slowly things open back up and people start feeling better. Corey also uh, is like, uh, I think he's the marketing guy over there at Waterloo Records. And we have a really great talk about about waterloo records and and his role there at waterloo records i've been going to a bunch of in stores there for the last couple of months and i've been thinking about how great they sound and i've talked about it on this show like i went to the restos one i went to the amy actually one i went to a couple of other ones too um but i it turns out that Corey is the sound guy at those shows and so i told him i think they should make a record of live at waterloo people's in stores and put it out somehow somewhere and make it you know benefit some kind of charity or shit you know let waterloo make some money for crying out loud. Anyway, we have a great conversation about that and hopefully we'll team up on some stuff. You'll see how did I get here in Waterloo doing some neato stuff together in 2024. I hope that happens. Anyway, Corey and I have a great conversation. He's a fantastic dude and uh, we have a lot of laughs and, and we talk about music and his journey in music and the whole trip with Harvest Thieves. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation. Me and Corey Reinish from the band Harvest Thieves. Let's get down. I earned a mouthful of blood with some words I said Might have lost a fight but never lost my head And if there's poison in my drink I've got no complaints Cut my teeth on nothing less than a fool's mind fade uh, As the sparks lie upward is the name of this record and it's fucking great and uh i was uh i wrote down some some things that i really like at that anna's uh 
like her ability to sing like like that song uh is it gaslighter gaslighter jesus man yeah that is it that is a killer song what if i told you that was maybe Here, one of the first lean up and speak right uh, into that. yes two or three songs she's ever written on her own so I would believe it because some people they just you know what I mean. I, yeah. I feel like there's this there's you got to pay your dues. Some people have to pay mm. these dues that are there. Yeah. Some people just listen to enough good music that when they start making music, yes, they know what they want to hear. Well, she is a study of good music, so yeah, I think she's uh, done a lot of synthesizing her entire life, and she's a hell of a musician too. So when she came to the table with those two songs that ended up on the record, we were kind of blown away just because. You know, she hadn't undertaken the songwriting before and, you know, sang harmonies and played amazing parts musically. But Great vocal got delivery, those, too, on that song. Yeah, her vocals are incredible. Yeah. And I've never said this. Well, I, I guess maybe I have said this, but I don't think anybody's voice has ever melded as well with mine, with harmonies in, in my time doing this, than hers. And uh, I don't know. I I think there's something neat there about the way our voices kind of match with each other. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a real, uh, it's funny, the alt-country thing. There's, uh, there's a, a, a thing I've been noticing in some bands lately, that there's like a real uh, kind of uh, the irreverence of rock and roll makes its way into the country music. And it, it brought us, gave us bands like Jason and the Scorchers, Yes. And like, you know what I mean? Like that, the Georgia Satellites, this whole sort of like mm. punk Billy, what, what was it, it called? Rockabilly. Like I, like, yeah, Psychobilly. I mean, even a lot of like what, Hank Williams. But to me, I kind of feel like yeah. you guys are in that vein. And even that song, the Gaslighter song, there's a feel to it. Like the feel of it reminds me of old 97s. That's sort of what we were going oh, for. Oh, really? We, I oh, mean, awesome. we've, we've always sort of kind of gone for that. Uh, that's where my interests lie mostly is that intersection there between yeah. uh, thoughtful songwriting, maybe even sort of folky songs, folky yeah, yeah. country songs. And then with a little bit of teeth to it. Yeah. So. Well, you really went for it as far as like, not even, not so much like con- conceptually or like concept record or whatever, but there is a theme to this record that is something that most people's records that have come out in the last couple of years are somehow covering this event that we went through. These events, because yes. I should say there, there's a, there, there was this pandemic. There was a lockdown. There was isolation. Insanity ensued. But then also there was just this insane like political thing also happening in the world, that uh, that kind of. And you guys kind of just took it on. You started writing this record before. We did. Okay. We, we started writing. Explain it. how how you went through the whole sure. thing. Yeah, we I. I've said this ever since the right before the release and after the release, I, I didn't want to write a pandemic record while, you know, I've talked, I've talked with other people about this, how that was one of the very few like socially shared commonalities that we have nowadays, Yeah, which is, is a whole other topic in and of itself. But, uh, you know, we all went through that. And so, you know, part of the record touches on that, I guess, but there were other records that covered that subject enough, I think. So what we started writing about before the pandemic hit was just sort of the 
the societal upheaval that we had all seen and just sort of the absurdity of everything. Cause you'd wake up every day and nobody wants to remember this. I want to move on just as much as everybody else does. And it sort of feels like we're on our way back to it, but you just wake up every day and you're like, how much more crazy can things get? And so it just this feeling of absurdity and it just being so surreal was always sort of fascinating to me. And you're just seeing all these norms broken down and deconstructed. And, you know, that's just on a political level. But there were... But it's more than just political. It becomes yeah, it then societal where there yes. it becomes like this insane sort of thing where now just this one little thing that I learned last week is that... Uh, yeah, but Mike Pence, Pence dropped out. I watched this thing about people sort of like going, like forensically going through his campaign and sure. what sort of like might have ended it. So he was pulling at 3% uh, in the presidential thing. But among evangelicals, yeah. he was at 1%. Isn't that weird? And his competitor, the main guy, who is very far from evangelical compared to a guy like Mike Pence. The farthest, yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. freak anyone out that's sure. listening because I've lost yeah. a couple of listeners when they oh, go through sure. this conversation, but that's fine. Yeah. The thing is, is that that is, no matter what political world you live in, the fact that Donald Trump pulls exponentially more yes. than a guy like Mike Pence with Mike Pence's people, right. is it, that's where you're like, what, where, who's... What's happening? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I think right there what you just said is at the heart of what we were trying to explain on this record is just to take a step back and look at it from, you know, maybe an outsider's perspective. <clears throat> and look, I've got no love for either political party. For no, being honest. I don't think anyone does. Anymore. Yes. And, you know, I always feel like, you know, saying a critique of one side or the other does not signal support for the other side right. or the other. It's just, hey, you're rationally minded people. This is my observation. Right, right. And I think it's important to remember that, that, you know, saying a critique about something that you don't like does not automatically signal support for the opposite side. Correct. And I think that there's so, there's so much of that now, and I don't like even engaging in those discussions anymore. But I, I, I think that we did a pretty good job yeah, you did. of explaining what we think and what our worldview is with these songs. Well, so. the other thing I think you were able to capture, because I think the one thing that's really difficult to comment on uh, current events, society, political, is to not be lo like to write something that someone can listen to in 10 years and still get something from it. That is not so specific. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, that you can't and I feel like with you because when I was going through this listening to these songs you, I do like I'm like is this going to be okay in a few years like will people be like what the hell is this even about but these are like they're greater themes that go through our lives throughout our lives sure and I want you to know that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that when we were writing this and I was trying to be very mindful of that because when you are touching on those sorts of themes you can kind of lock yourself in a time capsule you and don't then, want to. No. And my favorite songwriters go out of their way to, to try to avoid that. Blowing so. in the wind doesn't say anything about no. the Vietnam War. Exactly. And, and you're exactly right. And yeah. so I think I tried to be as, as almost to the point where I was driving myself insane about it and rewriting lines and going back and re-editing myself constantly. But 
I wanted to write a record more so about, you know, the way we make decisions and how yeah. we decide to follow leaders and how we get caught up in ideologies and how we uh, treat other people when their ideologies don't match up with ours. And those are timeless <laughs> themes. And country and they, music has done a good job of touching on those things throughout the years. So Yeah. I hope we did that. You, you did. Know? Thank you. You did. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, too, is like, it's difficult to not be preachy. It's difficult. You know what I mean? Like, it it's is. really, you walk a very fine line to try and express a feeling without sticking yourself in a time capsule, insulting anyone and alienating people. Sure. Uh, future listeners who might go back and listen to this record and, and you know, not get it. Right. But those are hard songs to write. They are. Yeah. And I don't think I'll do it again. I, I'm, I'm serious. I, <laughs> Nobody I, wants to. Yeah, I don't. And, I, and you know what? Like, it's funny. I've done a couple of these now or, or responded to interviews, you know, writing down or whatever. And going back and thinking about it, I kind of get a gross feeling like, ah, I don't like thinking about being in that place where I was writing those, but we were in that place. And that's why I feel like it is a living document. Mm -hmm. And I hope, like you said, that down the road, if someone were to revisit this record and listen to it, they, they can would still say, connect. yeah, I still connect. And I mean, there are <laughs> themes in there that are, that are not just right. Not, not that I hope that in the future times well, are as bad as they yeah. are now, but they will relate. Well, you the know. Themes, the themes are broader than... Yes. Than, yeah. I, that, yes, that was my hope, is that the themes were broad enough that yeah. you, anybody could find something in there to respond to and maybe relate to. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. So you guys don't have any shows on the books right now? No. Uh, uh, we do have one, do? and What's that's on purpose. Okay. We're... We're going to play with Restos and West oh, Texas good. Exiles at uh, wow, Sea Boys a... on December 30th. Whoa. That's so, going to be a really great show. That's going to be a great show. And, you know, we've known the Restos guys forever. And Graham Weber was one of the first people I ever played music with when I moved to Austin. So he's always been so kind and in inclusive with me and as he is with everybody as he is with everybody i love him we even share a practice space with those guys and we have for years now so uh hell we even use the same uh, we we hired a publicist to help us kind of roll out the album and she helped them as well so we is that rachel it's alexis alexis okay. yeah so we've we've known graham a long time and and we we have a we're kindred spirits mm -hmm. for sure yeah. yeah, your bands make sense. And they West do. Texas Exiles, too. Yeah, I love those, those guys. guys. I just saw them the other night. We did a, Skyrocket did a thing with them at uh, the soccer stadium. Because, yeah. Yeah. How, what was that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was us. Were and you on the field? They, no, no, no. Yeah. We played each other in soccer. Yeah, that's great. Uh, no, uh, it was in the Lexus Club, and it was a fundraiser for something, maybe like Little League something. Yeah. It was heartburn, and those guys did a quick set, and we played. That's Skyrocket. great. Yeah, that stadium's something else. I went to my first beautiful match a couple of weeks ago with a buddy, and uh, we won like four to nothing. So I got to see all these That's goals. And, yeah, uh, we also did a tour when they opened because I worked for Waterloo and handled the marketing there, and they they luckily invited us out to go take a look at the stadium when no one was in there. It's an impressive place. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of restos, real fast, I was just talking to you about how great of a job you did running sound at that. <laughs> Thank you. In store, uh, uh, that was his daughter. Like floored me that day too. Yeah, I couldn't. She's... I couldn't. I couldn't get the record to happen. 
Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she's, she's the best. Maybe one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And smart as a whip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her speech was amazing. <laughs> Let's just say her dad is a really great singer guy. Or he did. Music, guy. What, music that, guy. I think that's really how great she music guy. It. Yeah. yeah, a really great music guy. <laughs> and he is. He is a great he music is. guy. Um. So when. Harvest Thieves started like 10 years ago? It did. Okay. Yeah, it actually started as a side project. Have we ever done a show together? No. And, you know, I wanted to tell I'm so glad we're doing this because I know you and I have been in the same room a yeah, yeah. hundred times. It, and many of it at Waterloo, I'm sure. But I've always listened to your podcasts. Oh, it, thanks. It always, it's like a comfort for me to hear what other songwriters have to say. And you always ask the best questions. Thanks, man. It's like an inside baseball for songwriting that's what i I hope it is yeah Yeah. it's great i've taken pointers and i also love hearing what other people say i'm like oh yeah i'm not alone in that someone else is dealing with this boy that's true man yeah you make it really relatable for people so i've always appreciated that you realize once you listen to the show that nobody thinks they're doing well at all (laughs) (laughs) you know what and it's not just musicians who think that but it but it is also musicians who think that uh yeah, so I've always enjoyed your podcast a lot. Thanks a lot, And man. I've listened to a great deal of it. Thank you. So, yeah. That means a lot. I'd, I'd like to be, uh, I like it to be a show of entertainment, but also like uh, like a public service for our, our people. That is a good way to put it. Yeah. it. It is a public service. Yeah. Yeah, you're not alone. That's yeah. the one thing that you realize like, oh yeah, Bob Schneider's also cries yeah. in his bathtub at night. <laughs> yeah, and you can often feel alone doing this. At, from time to oh, time. Oh, man. Yeah. Especially now. I feel like the uh, like social media has given us that thing. Like, you, you've been doing this a long time. I have. Yeah. You yeah. used to go to Kinko's and make posters and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So now you have this thing where you, there's great things. Like, there's democratization. You don't need to go showcase for somebody to see if they like you, to give you money that you're going to have to pay them back. It's like, yeah, all this stuff is kind of weird. Yeah. But... One of the things that I think has it's it's sort of taken the the personality out of the relationships that we had. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I found I, I was working with Awesome Music Foundation for uh, several years, and uh, and you, talking to young musicians, it's like people would come in and be like, "Man, I emailed." I emailed this guy from Harvest Thieves like six times, and he doesn't even write back. And I'm like, mm. well, "Do you know him?" Like, no. So you're email, emailing a stranger and asking him for a favor, and he's just like, I don't know this person. He's not answering it. But you keep on emailing. It's like, what, in what world doesn't it occur to you to go and see them? Sure. And if you really like their band, there's nothing bad about walking up and saying like, hey, I, just like I did when you were doing the thing, exactly. when you were running sound. Like, hey, I that sounds fucking great. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's and then you make connections with people, and then you have a community. Like that's what we what you have with 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 Graham. It is. You know. Yeah. And working at the store for for sure s- seven years in October. I, I that's probably my p- favorite part about that job is still staying connected because musicians come in all the time and either put their records on consignment or they're buying records. Yeah. So I feel connected in that way. And that definitely, that gives me that route to, uh, to have that. And it's, I don't know. I would, I would feel a little more isolated. I think if I didn't have that. Yeah. So I have a, I just dawned on me this very funny story. AJ Vallejo called me one day 
we were talking and I was like, what's going on? He's like, I'm a little bummed out. And I was like, what happened? He's like, I got the call from Martin at Waterloo. <laughs> and it's the call where he goes like, come get your stuff because mm-hmm. it's been here for four years and no one's buying it. Yeah, it's the walk of shame. We've all it's had to so do it. It's so great, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got that last year. But he's so nice. Oh, I mean, he's the nicest. What are you going to say? Martin Coulter is a Waterloo legend. Oh, yeah. He's an Austin 100%. legend. Austin legend. Yeah. yeah. And, and I got to tell you, and I don't mean this negatively towards any of my other coworkers, but Martin is my favorite person up there. I'm he, sure he's a lot I, of people. I love Martin. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. I've been taking my records to Martin for a long time, man. Yeah. <laughs> a he's lot of a, people have. He's a good soul. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a, he's he's a, a nice champion. Little, he's, he's a, a champion yeah. of music. He's always out everywhere supporting people. Yeah. He goes out of his way to help people out, especially when they come in the store. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's one of those like old throwback vestiges of Austin in my mind. Yeah. 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 Are you from here? a good story. No, I'm. I'm actually grew up about two hours northwest of here, and just down the road in Brady, Texas. Oh, okay. It's a small town. Uh, if you know where Fredericksburg and Mason are, yep. we're just north of there. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. I was trying so hard when I grew up there to get out of there yeah. as fast as possible, but no one has that, or it's a rapidly diminishing number of people have that sort of raising like I did. Very agriculturally based. It's very rural. Uh, small town. I mean, I graduated with like 79 people. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade it. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, do you get out there much? Like you, I do, your yeah. Parents my parents there? I have family yeah. there. Aunts and uncles and my parents are still there. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And it's not that far away I can get up there real quick. Where so. did you, like what connected you, like when did you have your epiphany that music was your thing? So I was a band nerd growing up. Okay. And band, What'd you play? I played saxophone. Okay. And band in Brady w- I, like, was almost more important than playing sports. Wow. For some weird reason, we had this incubator there for uh, like marching and symphonic band. And I remember going off to college and bragging about band and people were like, well, you're in band? I was like, well, you weren't? <laughs> So when I heard the whole concept of band nerd thing, I was so foreign to me. I was like, well, everybody, right. he, the quarterback would come out at halftime, and take his tuba. shoulder pads off and put the tuba on. <laughs> yeah. So that was foreign to me. I mean, everybody, and I equate that to a handful of people. There was a band director there that was really good at fostering interest in music. And, you know, they do all the marching contests and all that stuff. So it was real, it was very much support, supported by the community and everybody just wanted to be a part of it and so i also come from a musical family my aunts and uncles my uncles especially and my mom and dad played music too so i i caught the bug at a young age and started playing in some little garage bands in brady there's no venues to play so it was mostly like school supported events that we would do our shows how old were you I was 13 or 14 when I first started playing guitar, but I think our first band was I was 16 or 17. Yeah. What were you? What kind of stuff were you playing? Oh, just like grunge ripoffs okay. and you know stuff of the time. Yeah, like mid 90s stuff. Smashing <laughs> so, Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. Pearl Jam. Yeah, Nirvana. I mean, I I was super into the replacements whenever I was that age. I had a bunch of I was lucky. I didn't have an older brother in my family. But I had some older fellas that I ran around with just because the community was so small and so tight-knit. 
And then lots of good people passed on really good taste. Yeah, because I was going to say, how do you find a replacements tough. record yeah. in Brady, Texas? You, you had to have someone yeah. who knew it. And they, it was that was back before the internet, really. Yeah. And, you know, they would, someone knew the stuff. And they, yeah. It was almost like drug dealer. Like, here, you got you to try this <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. 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 And I thought that was fantastic. Just to, it's almost like, hey, I have this thing and no yeah. one else does. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we were like any kid that age, anything that came across our plate, we got super excited about. But uh, yeah, we we did that for a little while. And I played in a couple of bands in high school. And then played in college, but we didn't play out. Where'd you go to college? I went to Texas Tech, out in West Texas in Lubbock. Yeah. And uh, we didn't really play with much seriousness. It was more just house parties and a bar here and there. And looking back on it, I sort of regret that because Lubbock has such a rich musical history. Yeah, really and I does. would play song swaps or go do open mics a lot by myself, but we didn't ever really get out with the band. Hmm. And you know, I I wish I wish I had done that a little more out there. Were you like the guy that was gonna do this at this point in your life still? Yes. And the other guys weren't. Uh, I, I had that in my like my early bands. I'd just look around at everybody and be like, I know you guys aren't lifers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I did know that. And I wouldn't even say that about them. I just, we didn't really approach it with the level of seriousness that it required. And so I knew I wanted to at some point. Uh, didn't, I did it on my own. I, I would go play solo stuff where, you know, I took it seriously, but. With the band, it was more just, we're having fun, and if someone wants us to come play their house party, we'll do that. Yeah. So when I graduated, I moved to Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I didn't play really at all for two or three years. What'd you do? What'd you go to school for? I went to school for, it was basically RTF back then, but I stayed after I graduated because I was dating a gal, and she was still there, and I got my master's degree in public relations. So that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. So when I did that, I moved to Dallas to try to do the big boy job and start a career and then immediately found out, like, I don't want to do this. This is not fun. So I worked there for about two or three years and then moved to Austin with the express intent of playing music. And the best thing that happened to me was I worked for ABC Radio. I did advertising in Dallas and then... I got the job with Emmis here, oh, and cool. that's what brought me down. That's what kind of facilitated the move. So I got right in with, um, you know, KLBJ AM and FM, sure. KJSR, when KJSR still used to be KJSR, right. 101X. Hot 93 was an awesome rap station, hip-hop station here. And uh, I don't know, that was the best way for me to come into Austin because it was all these young, enthusiastic people. Yeah. Probably didn't pay what, for a what concert that? ticket. That was February of 2007. Oh, so wow. I've been here a little while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, and I just jumped right into the music scene uh, a lot in part because of that job and then started meeting people and threw a band together pretty quick. So, Yeah. yeah. And that was the Harvest Thieves? No, that no. was actually a band called Guns of Navarone. Ah, uh, great movie. Yeah, it was. It, it <laughs> was what, Yeah, it, it was. Is. Well, we named it after that for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. And, I'm 55 now. I feel like my yeah. dad, like, oh, you don't know, man. You've never seen The Guns of Navarone. Well, I always heard it was one of my grandfather's favorite movies, so that's why <laughs> I named too. it that. Yeah. yeah. And it's it was music that was not too dissimilar from what we do at Harvest Thieves. 
I always sort of had daydreams that we would be the country replacements. <laughs> I, when you said replacements earlier, yeah. I thought to myself, I was like, oh, that flavor is there. Yeah, yeah. In that. I feel I like so. that's in there with that with the old 97s. Sure. Like everything's just a little faster. Yes. Like that's a little right. more frantic. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really wanted to lean into that with that band. And we did probably too much. But we'd Where did you play? Everywhere. Yeah. We... Uh, our buddy James Taylor, I don't know if you ever got to meet him. He, he used to manage, um, Holy Mountain and he works up at first Ave now in Minneapolis uh, and does, but anyways, he was, he was here in the scene for a long time and played in a bunch of bands. He was actually the first drummer for Harvest Thieves, but he managed us and he had a lot of great connections. And as soon as we put a band together, he had seen us and his, our guitarist was one of his old bandmates and he said, I want to manage you. I want to book you shows. So we were immediately playing Stubbs Inside and Mohawk and uh, Club DeVille when they used to be around. We we got lucky. We played a lot of good shows right off the bat just because he really hustled for us. So yeah. We, I mean, don't get me wrong. We played plenty of shows at Plush on Tuesday night at 1 a.m., but yeah. everybody did that back yeah. then. So. Is Plush one of those West 6th Street places? No, it was uh, where Chess Club is now. So many places, yeah, and they all change. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, like it's a lot. It, it is. <laughs> yeah, but we really hit the ground running, and that band lasted about four or five years, and just you know, people getting married, having kids, and just life stuff. Yeah, kind of changed it, and we weren't able to. The band wasn't playing and doing as much as I would have liked, and the, the bass player. So we started a side project to kind of, I don't know, keep ourselves busy. And then when guns disbanded, we just made Harvest Thieves our full-time project. So that's, that's great. That was since 2013. And was the yeah. guy, was James Taylor still your manager? He was. Yeah, he managed us for quite a while up until he moved to Minneapolis. And then Rachel Citron, who you know. Love Rachel. Has been our manager yeah. ever since. Yeah. Rachel's great. And she's one of my best friends in the world. So. She's good, man. She's, I like, uh. You know, one of the things that makes me happy is like having done this for such a long time, I've seen sort of like what the, uh, the, like there used to be managers sure. like this James Taylor guy that yeah. would manage your local band and they would work really hard for, you know, $15 of your $100 gig sure. at, at Plush or whatever and booking agents, same thing, but nobody gets paid unless you get paid That's right. and the money's so small, it's difficult. So then when it, people stopped getting record deals, all these manager people became publicists yeah. and because then you can just take, and I don't mean this bad, but there are some publicity. I've deal with them all the time. So, sure. and yeah. I know there are really good ones. There are really good ones. And there are ones that are just taking people's money where you're like, yeah. dude, why do you, why did you hire? <laughs> how much are you paying this person? Yeah, because you're still terrible. Yeah. You know, what I, you know what I, I mean? I've heard tons of stories like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, I, it's, it's a little more frequent than you would hope it would be, but yeah. we've had a great, great experience with Alexis and we had a great experience the last time we did this, when we put out our first full length, which was 2016. So I don't know. We've been very fortunate. Who on did that you, front. were you with then? Raby productions. I don't know. Um, I can't remember the fellow's name off the top of my head who owns it, but, uh, they did a really great job with us and they got us some great placements and it really helped us when we were booking tours and stuff back then. So we got lucky on As, both instances. Yeah, the Harvest Thieves used to go on like 
how far did you go? We did several trips to and throughout the southeast. Uh-huh. Uh, we went as far as Georgia a couple of times. And then we've also done a mountain run where you kind of go through Lubbock, through New Mexico, yeah, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, oh, those are the and best. back. Yeah. yeah, I think in the that's, summer. That's when we went. Yes, yeah, and, or like I think the last time we did it was early spring, yeah. so it was just starting to warm up here, and then you kind of got to get out of it for a while. Yeah, and those were fun. So those are fun. Do you, yeah. you are you able to do that now? I mean, Not, is it harder to it, do? It's much harder. So we're all a little older now and yeah. everybody in the band's either married or has has a child or two except for me. So it's just it's a lot more difficult to hit the road in that capacity and to be frank with you, I don't know that anybody's super interested in that anymore. Uh It's tough, isn't it? Cuz you know like yeah. I mean with Skyrocket, we're we're getting a certain amount of money. I'm more than likely, I might have to share a hotel room with someone, sure. but more than likely I'll get my own and I don't have to like sleep on someone's couch. I don't know. I know. <laughs> like some funky rug or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've all done that. I mean, yeah. It was you... super fun at yeah, one point, but right. there's nothing appealing about it once you pass no. like 40. Well, and also we all have, we all have our career jobs mm-hmm. and you know, everybody's doing well and they enjoy what they do. And we do a really good job of carving out time to do this thing. Yeah. So, and we carve out a lot of time to do it, but do you go out of town? Like even like Dallas, Houston, absolutely, San Antonio yeah. thing. Yeah, a little, a little. We did it a lot more before the pandemic, and our bass player Mike and Anna, who you referenced earlier, uh-huh. they're married. They're okay. husband and wife, and they had a child uh, almost just over a year ago. So, so that's like a whole thing. Yeah, and that was like right after things were opening yeah, up in yeah, the yeah. pandemic. And I mean, it's, it, Dustin has two little boys. It's just so tough to it's tough enough for us to try to plan a bunch of shows here. Sure. And don't get me wrong. If the opportunity comes and the tour is set up correctly and we do it and put in the legwork, like we'll go do that. But yeah, we're not getting in the van just to get in the van and go out for two or three weeks at a time. Yeah. This is something we would put a lot of strategy behind and try to hit the right spots. But we also love getting out of town and playing regionally. Yeah. And we've had a lot of success with that. So. And you can you can build that like it's mm-hmm. hard to get to Montana. It is every couple yeah. of months or Wyoming yes. or Colorado, <laughs> but it's easy to get to Houston or to you know yes. even like the cool thing about where we live is like really there are markets like you could do a Friday in Waco and a or you know further, but you don't right. you know you can go play in Waco and then go play in Dallas the next day and you're good or Fort mm-hmm. Worth or whatever you know. Yeah, we've even gone up into Oklahoma yeah. and Tulsa and. Oklahoma City, a couple of nights in Dallas and back, and you know that's a good little run for us. Sure, so, and it's easy easy enough on everybody to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird. It's so weird because like when we even like in the two thousand sevens, it wasn't unheard of to jump in a van for a few weeks or oh, a month I, or absolutely. something and don't do that stuff. But it's it's almost hard for everyone. I just played with fastball this summer, and part of their thing is like. Like we were just flying out and doing certain dates because it's just too expensive to go in a bus to go travel around and, you know, do all the crappy nights. I know. At some point, you just start getting diminishing returns. Yeah. So. Well, it's hard to tour when you've got, it's difficult. Having a record to sell at the show and making that extra 50 to 250 bucks every night, 
is life changing in it that is. situation. It really is. Yeah. And it's just, it feels like it's getting increasingly more difficult to do that. Well, uh, especially gas when you get goes older. up super high. Yeah, right. You know, you start thinking in practical ways. You didn't think about gas prices when you were 22 no. and jumping in a van like, I'm, we're driving to New York. What do you have? Three gigs. Yeah. We just right. have three gigs. One gig on the way there, one there, one on the way back. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we drove all the way to Little Rock uh, to, I'm sorry, uh, Fayetteville one time to play one show and then turned around and drove back. Yeah. That, that's the way it used to be back then. We wouldn't even dream of doing that now. Yeah. There's a 90s gig I played because it was a band. Remember that band, The Innocence Mission? I do. I was yeah. a huge fan of them. Yeah. And I, I had a friend in Houston that was a promoter guy, and he knew I was a huge fan of them. And he's yeah. like, I'll tell you what, you guys open for him. I'm like, killer, what can you pay? He's like, honestly, dude, I'll get y'all dinner and a bag of weed. Yeah. Sold. We'll be there. It, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, let me see if I can sell this to the band. It's a bag of weed at dinner. Oh, yeah. What kind of weed? Yeah. <laughs> Jump in the van and drive to Houston. But yeah, yeah, I won't do that anymore. I know. It's, it's way more difficult <laughs> yeah. to convince people for a bag of weed now. <laughs> it really is, man. The old days, are, they're just, they're not, they're, it's a different time. And it, it is, is difficult to sort of get out there and, and plant your flag. I do give it up to people like, uh, you know, just talking to Eric about, you know, shiny ribs, like what Kevin's been able to do is he's created this whole industry and like there's branding like there's a look there's a vibe and he's selling it and he does a great job of surrounding himself with people that are also great at selling it and it's it's like show business at its best great music great musicians and a great idea i know that guy is sort of a he's kind of a force of nature isn't he yeah like we've had him into the store a few times since I took over booking and the marketing and uh, he's just the nicest person, which I think goes a long way when Extremely you do what nice. we do. Yeah. And I, I tell you, it's just, there's a magnetism to what he's doing and I've always That's exactly the it. word yeah. that we used. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. And there shouldn't be like, and I would, I would say it if he was here, he's my friend. There, there's no, like, if you, on paper, if you're like, no, it's like this old dude. He's got, like, an old white beard. He's kind of a heavy guy, and he just dances real weird in these suits. And it's like, uh, no. Like, that's weird. But sure. when you see it, you're just, like, uh, like yeah. you're completely drawn to it. Like, that's there's right. a magnetism involved to it where you're just like, I love this guy. Yeah. I love this trip. He's infectious. Yeah. And, infectious. And he's, uh, you can tell he means it. Yeah. It's great. It takes yeah. a lot to, like, that's what I was saying about it is like, it's like, it's actual branding. Like, there's... There's there's depth to it. There's he's selling something real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a master at that for sure. I've always enjoyed it whenever he's coming to the store or just seeing him out. I mean, he's great. I did this Doug Psalm tribute. It was years ago and it was at uh Broken Spoke. And there are all these crazy people on the lineup and <laughs> I was somehow on the lineup and I was like, How am I on this lineup? <laughs> and I got to play one of my favorite Doug Psalm songs with this great band and I was sitting over there kind of like a scared kid and Kevin was sitting next to me and he just talked my ear off and made me feel at home and comfortable. Talked to me about the song and what song he was doing. And ever since that night, I was like, that guy is so awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Who were you sandwiched between? Uh, Do you remember? Kelly Willis and <laughs> someone else really awesome. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. who it was. And, you know what? It might have been Augie. I think he might have sang Shit. after I did. Which was incredible. I was like, what am I doing? What song here? did Why? you do? Uh, give back the key to nice. give back the key to my heart. Yeah. So, which is something the band regularly plays. Really? Yeah. Um, 
I was friends with that dude. With yeah. Doug. He was a good guy, man. Yeah. His, it's fucking crazy. He, that's what everybody at Waterloo says. He <laughs> was in and out of that place all the all time. The, yeah. So he was in and out of all the all the was. places. Like he was in, yeah. in and out of Whole Foods, in and out of like whatever like yeah. like Austin thing. He was there and yeah. part of the fucking thing. Yeah. All, a lot of the long term employees at Waterloo always joke that when Doug came in, they'd have to stop what they were doing because they know they couldn't get any work done. Yeah. Because he was just like a tornado, which is fit. Yeah, yeah, Texas yeah. tornado. Yeah, in there. <laughs> Literally. Just, like, we got to stop what we're doing and, and talk to Doug. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. But also, what a great... Also, you think about it, like, that's the She's a Bottom Mover guy. Yeah, Like, he course. wasn't just some weird old no. Austin dude. I was in a band with Shandon, his son, like, no, in the 90s. Shandon, yeah. and, uh, and so, he would come to our gigs all the time. And one night, he was like, after our gig, he was like, you guys want to go and grab a drink? And I was like, dude, actually, I have a, a garage sale in the morning. And he was like, oh, shit, what's your address? I gave him my address. That dude showed up at 7.30 with coffee for me and my wife and bagels. Yeah. From like Quackenbush, like some very Austin place. And uh, helped us set up, hung out the whole time, smoking weed like in my yard. And helped us pack up. Yeah. He just like the groover. Yeah. Like exactly what he, he just came in, like grooved out for a couple hours. <laughs> hey, man, this is great, man. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I love hearing those yeah. kind of stories. And, you know, Doug Som is a, it's funny, like, he's an influence to so many different types of people and different genres of music. Yeah. I mean, it's got, I'm one of the architects of what you do musically. No doubt. I mean, he's definitely a, a songwriting hero of ours. And just, but like the guy that mixed country and rock and roll yeah. in a way that was dangerous yeah. and also literate. That's right. You know, and all the bands that I grew up listening to, a lot of the all country bands that kind of caught my ear when I was younger, they all loved Doug Song. Oh yeah, I mean they were hell. Sunvolt just put a record out of all Doug Song oh, covers really? because Jay Farrar loved him so much. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I toured with. Um, uh, playing guitar and keyboards with Ian Moore in like in 2007, and we did Crossroads every night was one of our yeah. encore songs. Do you know Ian really well? Oh yeah, yeah. When he I was in Lubbock, there the music scene was super cool, but a lot of touring bands didn't really come through there until they built the new big basketball arena that's yeah. there now. But Ian Moore used to play a lot of festivals and stuff up there, and I used to think that guy was so cool, so cool. And we recorded our record at ice cream factory with matt uh -huh. parmenter yeah, I love Mark. and matt and ian are pretty good friends and they've he's got a storage room in matt's studio so one day we were in there after a session and walk ian walks in and he's just like gearing up to uh go out on tour in his van so we got to sit there and kind of shoot the shit with ian Moore. so my 18 year old self was kind of mind blown yeah he's I've always I played a little bit with Ian. Uh, yeah. Like I went my had my band Gaudi in uh, 2000. Um, before our record came out, he took us on tour opening for him. But we would end those shows with both bands on stage yeah. doing like 30 minute thing together. Yeah, that's amazing. So cool. <laughs> He's a ripper. He's a ripper. Yeah, yeah, and a very nice fellow. Beautiful too. dude. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite people. Yeah, I actually got to go. This I, he asked me to come teach at his. I went and did a, a afternoon class on uh, songwriting tricks, like chord tricks, melody tricks, ways to sort of get yourself out of your normal ruts at his songwriting retreat. Yeah. And then we ended up going and getting his voice is all fucked up talking. It was really like really? I gotta say, it was frustrating yeah, <laughs> shit sure. to sit there and try and talk to him because his voice it just goes away. But he would fucking sing at the thing, and it was Ian Moore. It was so weird. I mean, apparently it's a thing in his mind. Yeah. 
So yeah, That's strange. Yeah, uh, is, is he the guy who does that? He puts together that one song a week. That Matt Parmenter was telling me about this. There's a group that Casey McPherson probably maybe, might do that. I don't know. Oh, I know you're to Dave Madden. That's maybe yeah, it. yeah, yeah. He was he was trying to get me to join it. He's like, hey man, this is really good. And exercise. then they do a show at Saxon. I think at the so. end of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which sounded amazing. You know, exercise. I probably should explore more have you ever done those no i haven't oh i i would like to it's, for now it's finding the time to do yeah, it yeah. is my problem but y- you know what you do you find it yeah well like, that's I think, the thing is when you have a deadline and some shit point. you find it yeah like you make it yes you know right. on a time when you're like oh yeah. shit man i'm gonna sit down and watch like whatever yes like oh man the fucking song yeah and there's a bunch of dudes on there you don't want to be the guy that didn't turn in this i think know. that's yeah, yeah yeah to me that's what the accountability seems the point yeah yeah yeah. Which I think is great and sort of it, it it drives the point of the exercise home. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy that didn't do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, that Bob Schneider one I've done for a long time. Not yeah. constantly. Every once in a while, I guess someone drops out and he'll invite me in. But Yeah. Uh, but those they really help. Yeah. The one thing is you do end up, like if you do a title one, you end up releasing records at around the same time and everybody has a song called this, but they're all different songs. <laughs> Like they're all the same name. Well, that's the byproduct of uh, productivity, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's uh, those things. I for me, I can't like they really jumpstart. Like you write some terrible shit. There's no doubt. Yeah, but you're writing and you're finishing stuff instead of like starting and going like ah, it's terrible. I'll do it later. Yeah, yeah. and you know you're working that muscle. I think, and it's yeah. just like it's just like anything. It's like working out. You you have some good workouts and you have some bad, but. I don't know. It sparks some ideas for sure. Well, you have that thing where people need to. Uh... Oh, that's so weird. That thing filled up really fast. <laughs> um, some people don't view that it as a muscle. Yeah. And you equate it with like, if you want to go out and win like the Boston Marathon, which is like writing a hit song, you're not going to not run 26 miles for like two years and then wake up and run 26 miles yeah, and exactly. win the Boston Marathon. That's right. Yeah. I hate to be sports about it, but that really, it's it's almost the same thing. It's very true though. I mean, it's like- Unless you know, you're this Anna from your band. <laughs> she might be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, most of it is a muscle. There's a Neil Young quote, a great Neil Young quote where he's like, oh yeah, I do only write when I'm inspired, but inspiration only comes when I've been working on a song for a couple of hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've learned that when you do have that inspiration, or at least this has been my experience, it's best to just try to finish it right then instead mm-hmm. of, cause I used to be so bad about, oh, this has promise. And then I'd set it aside and not touch it for God knows how long. And I've found that now if I'll just try to see it as far as I can go and really stretch that, you know, when I come back to it later, if, if I even need to, it's, it's a pretty solid idea and it's been worked out well. Your songs are pretty lyrically involved. Are they like, <laughs> uh, do you have to do like, a, like there's a, I've talked to people like, like, uh, Darden Smith and like Mary Gaucher mm. who are like songwriter, 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 sure. right? Mary Gaucher is like, oh yeah, I spent 40 hours on the lyrics of a song and I'm just like, who, like, isn't that crazy? I would forget yeah. what I was writing about. <laughs> like, I'm so like, yeah, I guess I'm just so like three minutes, like you got to have cool chorus. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I feel like... Uh, Darden's the same way though. 
I can be that way. Really? Can, yes. Uh, I've had to learn how to edit myself. And um, I'm a big Dylan guy and I'm a big John Prine guy. And I've read just about everything you can about Dylan. But, you know, he said, make every line fight for its place in the song. Like, I take that seriously. Uh, John Prine has said many things about being able to edit yourself and he's the perfect example of how something sounds so easily written, but yeah. he, it wasn't, he worked on it really hard. Every single one of them. I hate that. I know. <laughs> and he makes it sound easy, but that's the genius of John Prine. He makes it sound easy, but it's not. And so he was brilliant at an economy of words. Yeah. And I've had to try to learn that myself over the years. And trust me, I've been edited down by my bandmates plenty oh, of really? times. Yes, but it's good practice. And I've also learned to try to anticipate and see for myself what is needed and what is not. So, In the group that's that's been, like how long has the group that did As the Sparks Fly Upward? Like, So we started that record in, I think, late 2018. And the group that is with us now is is the one that started. Okay, so, but yeah, they're not uh, the same ones on on Rival. No, or Lightning. We had a pretty we had a pretty wholesale lineup change. Really, the only thing that's that remained the same was Anna and I. Uh, Dustin, that's that's, it seems like the. I mean, yeah. not nothing not to diminish anybody else's role, but when sure. you put someone in a vocal position, then yes, yes. they're indispensable. Well, it's up front and yeah. it's recognizable. Yeah. And I, I I should mention that Dustin was also on Rival, but Dustin was the bass player in the band for a long time, and he has since switched over to guitar with Gibb. So that's killer. Yeah, it's their their guitar interplay is is I I can't even. I can't compliment it enough. Those two guys have really found a found a groove with each other, and it's pretty incredible to listen to. And they did it on that record in an incredible way. But some of the stuff that we're writing now that I can't wait to put down, it's just sort of mind-blowing in a way. And it, I think it's done a really good job of solidifying our sound. Like, our record wouldn't sound the way it does if it weren't for three things. Matt Parmenter, number one, and then those two guys with their guitars and their guitar work and i don't know it's something else i haven't done anything with happens. matt but i've had him on the show and i've yeah. also i hear stuff that people come on where they've mm. done it with him. he's really good he's incredible man yeah uh, not only is he patient he's kind but he knows his stuff and so uh any kind of gear that you need he's got it and he also can adjust on the fly <laughs> sounds like uh acorns or something yeah on the roof. is uh <laughs> isn't casey mcpherson part of that ice cream series or was I or something i think he might have been i i don't know if he is anymore i I'd, His I'd hate to talk out of turn in life and not, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. i've heard matt mention him before i'm not sure what his role is over there i know that his it was a little it was kind of like the i've i'll maybe he was the money guy i it don't might have been yeah. Maybe he knew a money guy. I'd, I'd sure hate to misquote, and I'm not. That's I'm all right. He's one sure. of my best friends. Yeah, I can, yeah. I sure. can try and hit it. Yeah. But anyway, I have heard Matt yeah. talk about him, yes. Phenomenal musician. Yeah. Um, his daughter has uh, an insanely rare disease mm-hmm. that he has sort of changed the entire focus of his life. Is sure. like uh, research for that. Yeah. And you, you go way back with him. Yeah, I was in yeah. his wedding. Oh, wow. I was in his yeah. band Endosheen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played guitar and keyboards yeah. in that band. Hmm. 
I do a lot of floater stuff sometimes, like the guy over there doing the stuff that no one yeah. else wants to you do. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've known about you a long time, Johnny. That's why I'm so stoked about this. I mean, I, you're, you're sort of Martin-esque in your way to connect times in Austin. I've always... Appreciate oh Martin! It. Oh thank you. Yeah, like, yeah. We were talking. We were yeah. talking about that earlier. Exactly. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like. I paid attention when I lived up in, in DFW after school, it's kind of what was going on down here in Austin, and I always had an eye on it. And I, that's why I wanted to be here and and pursue music. Yeah. You're like man, I loved like this old David Garza, like his first record. Jesus Christ! I, you probably know him very well, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff you did was killer. He, he and I, he and I are, are of the same era. Yeah, and I, I like that era. There was yeah. a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Ian is of that era. Yes, yeah. Ian and I knew each other in high school because I yeah. lived here when I was a teenager for a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, I became friends with Ian then. That's where is he from originally? Do you know? Isn't he from this area? Yeah, maybe so. I, I know they remember. lived in India. Yeah, when he was a kid, but mm. I don't know. Now it doesn't mm. seem like I'm that good friends with him. <laughs> Hate to put you on the spot there. <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> no, but I, I've, I always, <laughs> I always, uh, always had an eye on Austin, and always, I always was re- greatly fascinated by what was going on here, and was so happy to move here. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's evolving, and it's always moving. But I, all the new people that come in, like you know, there's people like. Uh, all those people in that group, Kevin, like Primo the Alien mm-hmm. and uh, and Dossie and mm-hmm. just really great pop people, which is something yeah. this town's not really ever been too That's true. good with. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is more of that coming around. There's a lot of that, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. But then there's still great, like what this town is known for, which is rock and roll, country music, people like you sure. uh, and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and all these bands, what Eric's doing with uh, with Wrongbird as well is yeah, you know, those guys are great. It is yeah. really great. Yeah. Um. So you you're right. You're working on stuff for a new record. We are. You're not recording yet, but not you're... yet. Yeah, we're still in the demo phase. So whenever the pandemic hit, everybody kind of used the opportunity to upgrade their home studio yeah. set up a little more. And Except come me. to find out, <laughs> oh, that's still pretty great. I love it. I mean, that's an awesome rolling. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, do you still use it a lot? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, we were able to take that opportunity and then we just been sort of, a lot of the album got made that way. I mean, we demoed songs, passing files back and forth and it did two things for us. It, A, kept us in our home and B, we didn't have to, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love getting into the practice space and hammering songs out, but it's kind of nice to have the time for you to put your parts down and do it on your own time, but also... I think we all, I hope I'm speaking for the band. I, f- I feel like I am. We've been playing long enough where everybody knows what it is they do. Right. And what what they bring to the table to make it better. Right. So we're not arguing or, you know, there's no larger discourse about, well, this should be this way or this should be right, that right. way. We just pass an idea along. And if everybody gives a thumbs up to the idea, then we get rolling. So, yeah. And everybody just brings what they have to the table and that process has worked really well for us and then when by the time we get into the studio we already know what the song sounds like so it's just a matter of getting the takes right yeah and then you know trying to pass muster with matt and make sure he's stoked with it 
if we do that, I mean, we're we're in good shape. So when you guys are able to go in, like, are you going to be able to record all together at once? Will you? We usually do it okay. in pieces where we'll get the bass and drums and together. rhythm tracks, yeah. and then we'll layer on top of that. But some of it's yeah. live. It is. Indeed. A lot of it's live. Yeah. In your music, yeah. the integrity of it kind of needs to be. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And I just enjoy it that way, to be honest with you. Yeah. we As long as we can get a good drum and bass track and a good rhythm track and we take the best take, then everything else is, is pretty easy for us. Yeah. So, yeah. I like the fact that you use the alt country moniker as opposed to the Americana because uh, like, what you do is that. I like, think that makes sense to me. I think so. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, well, Americana is anything. I, well, it, it's turned into that. Yeah. And I remember when that moniker first started getting wide usage and I, I don't know, it just started, sort of started going in a direction that I was like, well, that's, that's not really us, I don't think. And what's so funny is whenever Alt Country first came around, <laughs> a lot of those bands did not like that. They didn't, they didn't like being labeled as such. And I always sort of, I've always taken it as a badge of honor. Yeah. I think it's great. And I've become very, very good friends with Peter Blackstock over the years. Yeah. We got to know each other while he was still living here in Austin. Yeah. And I mean, this guy is one of my heroes. I and mean, I used to get no depression when I was a kid. Yeah. And yeah. so when I first met him and then we ended up kind of developing a friendship. Well, not kind of. We definitely did. I mean, it's, it's just mind blowing to me. So, I mean, this guy covered and helped usher in that genre of music yeah. with his partner Grant. And then for us to play here in Austin and, and, you know, be in his orbit. And he's always said, he's always been so kind to the band and real supportive of us. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost a dream come true. I don't, yeah. Yeah. So like if I could tell 15 year old Corey that yeah, all that was going to happen, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. He has, uh, he and I became friends, uh, like a couple years before the pandemic and then like through the pandemic talked a lot like yes. online and, and I even had him on the show a couple of times. I know. I listened stuff. to that one. He, yeah. uh, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't like my music. He's always <laughs> really, really nice to me and says everything you can say nice to me, but never even brings it up. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. You know and what? I respect be, him for that. Yeah. I'm like, thank you because you know what? You would be fucking crushing if you said it out loud. Cause I know how you feel <laughs> like this kid well, listens to way too much Death yeah. Leopard. And yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to speak for him. And I guess that's between you and Peter for sure. I, I, but I don't, I mean, I don't think you'd you be have surprised. To, to justify or yeah. own up to it. Yeah. You'd be surprised what he is into. I've been shocked yeah. sometimes too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't expect him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one of those people <laughs> that thinks if somebody doesn't like your stuff, they shouldn't be alive. Oh, me neither. Because I, I dislike I, so many people's well, stuff. It's so subjective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so subjective. It's, it's sort of asinine to think otherwise. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What have you been listening to now? What do you I been, listen to anything? a ton of stuff. I mean, yeah. like I told you, I work, I've worked at Waterloo for seven years, so I get to walk into the greatest record store <laughs> in the country, maybe yeah. if not the world, every single day. So it's just a, a, a library of music for me. Yeah. Um, I've really been into this band Cutworms. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh-uh. You should check them out. There's this band called the Deslons, and they're out of New Orleans. 
And they used to be the backing band for Hooray for the Riff Raff. I don't know if you're familiar with her. What was the second one? The Deslons. It's D-E-S-L-O-N-D-E-S. And it's named after the street they lived on. Okay. But they're kind of a collective of songwriters from New Orleans. And they've put out three albums now. And then they've, they broke up a little bit or just took a hiatus and then put out solo records. But what those guys are doing is incredible. They played at Samstown Point a couple of weeks back. And I went... That That's, place is cool. It really is. That place is is like a time machine. Yeah. And, you know, Ramsey's done such a great job with booking the place and I don't know. That, that's it's just cool down yeah. there. Like I know <laughs> I know I know that Continental Club's old Austin. I know that Saxon Pub is old Austin. And I know what's old Austin, but like that place, yeah. That's old Austin. It's very old Austin. <laughs> like that place yeah. is old Austin. It is. And yeah. it's amazing that it's still there. And I, I think that's a testament to how well it's been run. Well, it's and, almost had like yeah. a resurgence since oh, the it pandemic. Did. It's yeah. become like a, this, the cool fucking place to go. Yeah. And well, Ramsey got a hold of it. I can't remember what year it wasn't. I mean, it was a while back, maybe even before the pandemic, but what a, what a place. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that I'm missing from this? This record as the sparks fly upward is fucking great. Everyone get out there and check it out. Go to harvestthieves.com. Um, check them out on December 30th at Sea Boys with Restos and West Texas Exiles. Arrestos is playing the place that we're playing in New York on Thursday. I we're know. playing on Friday. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, Hill Country Barbecue. Yep. I told yeah. them that I would go and hang out with them on Thursday, but I found out I'm flying in Friday morning. Yeah. So yeah. that's this week. Yeah. Yeah. You'll love that place. I, I love that place. I've, I've not been there, there but I've had a lot of friends and a lot of Austin people pass through there. Yeah. It's yeah. like... It's also like that's the only place I play in all of America. Yeah. With a giant Texas flag behind me. There's no there's no other in Texas, there's no place I play like that. Only in New York City. Yeah. That's that's pretty hilarious. The one the one the one drawback is I we played we're doing two nights there, but years and years ago, I wanna say like fifteen years ago or something, we did two nights like that there. And I got so drunk after the first night and I was super hungover and it has that thing like stubs but just stronger that like when you walk in it's just like whoa barbecue oh yeah and if you're not ready for it like I remember like <laughs> running out of that place and going like whoa turn your stomach whoa, upside go down yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well congrats that's awesome thanks that'll be uh, fun when are you leaving Friday morning yeah. so yeah. I think they're doing he said they were playing somewhere on Friday yeah they're do, they're going to New York and maybe somewhere else up there too right uh, I can't remember they are going their, somewhere else their other yeah there's was. a thing on Saturday yes. that they're doing somewhere yeah, yeah anyway uh, yeah um, so you guys would be great at, at Hill Country Barbecue we're like I said we're definitely looking at opportunities that uh, make sense for us and you know if an opportunity comes along that we can't say no to we we will always say yes yeah so yeah, yeah. well this has been great well I really great appreciate talking it. to you it's an honor to to be on your podcast and yeah. to talk to you finally so I, uh, I, I, I'm going to try and come on the 30th because all three of you guys are bands I'd want to see and I'm playing here the 29th and New Year's Eve, so I have that night off. My We'd love to see you. Yeah. yeah. What time do you guys play We that play night? at 10. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not too late. No, it's not. It's 11. I, yeah. Like, I, post-pandemic, I've been like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like, there's people still play at midnight. Oh, yeah. We did our uh, <laughs> record release show at Whitehorse a couple of weeks ago on Friday, and our buddy Greg Loftus flew in from Massachusetts, and he started at 8. And we played at 10, and we asked Georgia Parker, are you familiar with Georgia? Huh. She played at midnight, and so we were like, 
Thank you so much yeah. for taking that taking late the slot. Bullet. Yeah. yeah. And they that were used great. to be the head sli- yeah. headlining slot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And when you have kids and yeah, parents in the band, like it's, that 10 o'clock spot yeah, yeah, is sure. pretty prime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm excited. I'm really happy for you in this record. I'm glad we thank got you. to meet and hang out. It's me too. And uh, I've always wanted. And to also, that, thank you for doing such a great job with that sound there. And <laughs> thanks. I I still I I will tell John myself. You got to yeah. do this. Like, there's got to be a way that you do this because yeah. it's so. There's no record of. Of a great thing happening at a super cool place. Sure. You know. Yeah. And they used to do like I remember when I put out a record like in t- 2009. Mm. There was videos up of the individual songs, like they, you guys videotaped stuff and everything. We used to do that. Yeah. yeah, but like the recording, I mean, I don't know what it would take, but it just it the Amy Axley one micro- sounded like a record. That yeah. one sounded. Yeah, thanks. I, I don't know why it would. It seems like it should just work. If you knew how little time I have spent behind the board, you have no idea how how much I feel complimented right now. No. So I did it as sort of out of a necessity. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I've been around music and gear enough to have like a bass level 101 kind of sound engineer knowledge, yeah. but not not much. Friday <laughs> so. night, we had a long in-between sound check and gig at Skyrocket, yeah. and I literally told them the idea of having that. Like, Darren and I were at the Amy Ashley one. Sure. And I yeah. was like, dude, didn't that sound? She's like, fuck yeah. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if they didn't? She's like, yeah. And Benjamin, <laughs> who's in Skyrocket, who worked at Waterloo for yeah. years, he's like, oh shit, they should totally do that to make up for the... Remember the KGSR ones? Yes. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, I would love to do it. And I think it's possible. We'd have to get a few more pieces of equipment. But I, you know, every now and then I will hear something in that room. And it's kind of mind blowing how good it sounds on occasion. So I thought that I thought one of them was a fluke. I can't remember what the first one was, but then the Amy one was great. And I think I told you then, too. Yeah. I ran sound for Amy. Yeah. Yeah. That was fucking great. man. (laughs) I know she is great. All right. Well, thank you, Johnny. Great really having you on the show. It. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is sweet, baby. HarvestThieves.com, baby. She runs 100 miles an hour towards the finish line. Gang, get out there and check out As the Sparks Fly Upward, the new album from Harvest Thieves. They'll also be playing on December 30th at Seaboys with Restos and West Texas Exiles. Good friends of the show. All of them have been on the show. Go to HarvestThieves.com for all of your all of your Harvest Thieves needs. Great conversation with Corey. Thank you for coming by, buddy. Had a great conversation with you. If you're listening, if you made it this far in your own interview. Uh Gang, don't forget when you're out there checking out HarvestThieves.com, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast. You can also ask your Google Nest and your Alexa to play How Did I Get Here with Johnny Gowdy. They'll play the latest episode. You'll enjoy it. Come on, get out there. Get involved, man. Also, the last 100 episodes are available on all the streaming sites. And if you want to hear back the, the, the other 1,300 and however many, uh, you can go to howdidigethere.podbean.com or download the Podbean app to your phone or device and you will be able to listen to all the episodes of How Did I Get Here. No paywall, no nothing. Have a great week, whatever it is you're doing. As I said, there's three shows. You will be talking to St. Loretto on Wednesday. Great, great band too. All right, enjoy the rest of this song from Harvest Thieves. Have a great, great, great week. Let's get down. Oh
Try